Yeah, Lord, God, as, as we consider who you are, as we consider all of these aspects about you and we're walking through this series and going through each one and just trying to know you, God, I think in each one I, I'm struck with knowing myself and knowing that I am limited and I am finite and I am sinful and I am broken and I am not very much. And you are everything. You have it all. And yet, God, you've made it so that we can know you. We can know you and we can know about you and we can know each of these elements, each of these things that we have been talking about. Um, so Lord, today as we approach the, the topic of wisdom, we ask that you'd give us wisdom. Just as we asked for love and we asked for understanding. Uh, Lord, so help us this morning. God, as I go through these notes I've prepared here, Lord, I trust that uh, you're in it. You have something to say. I don't have something to say. Lord, you have something to say into our hearts this morning. Lord, I ask that you would be speaking clearly, communicating, offering up truth. God, we often ask for wisdom, and today we can ask for wisdom, even wisdom about wisdom. Ah. Lord, help us in that. Guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week, of course, I appreciate Dave you leading us this morning. He gave us the clue in that last week we talked about how God is love. And as we've had every week, there's been some homework. So hopefully you were uh, looking this week at uh, just getting some understanding about God's love. Can I, God, can you give me understanding about your love? Help me to know what's going on there. And as you, hopefully you're taking some steps this week to love. I really was encouraged in our gospel group this week. We, we all shared ways that we had experienced love. And it was very interesting. Everybody who shared their story of how somebody had showed them love, it was love coming to them in a time of need. A time of, of want, a time of lacking something, and somebody showing love. And I thought, wow, what a picture of what God does is he shows us love in those times where we need it. So, anyway, today we're going to look at another element of God, as I mentioned, and you can see on the screen, we're going to talk about wisdom, and that God is wise. Um, have you ever said the phrase, I don't know what to do? Have you ever said that today? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, and as a pastor, and as I meet with people and have meetings and so forth, that is probably one of the most common phrases I hear. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And guess what? I say it a lot too. And I say it a lot too when someone comes to me with their problem or their issue. What should I do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It happens to me in those things. It happens in big things. It happens in little things. It happens in things I'm dealing with as a pastor. It happens in things I'm dealing with in my family, in my own life, and all these things. Can you tell the kind of week that I've had? <laughs> I don't know what to do. One of the favorite things that uh, Jesus said, one of my favorite things that he said was this. This story, Matthew chapter 7, it's also in Luke. Um, Jesus says, he's talking about hearing his word and obeying. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And of course, those of you who know me know that I'm an architect and I love buildings and I love building analogies and this is one of the favorite things that Jesus has ever said. But when we consider this analogy, we go, wow, there's something for all of us here. Not just architects. <laughs> something for all of us to learn and Jesus is telling us something here. And so a couple important notes about this. The first note is that these are not builders. These aren't general contractors. This isn't a, a contrast between someone who has a whole lot of expertise and builds a lot of buildings and knew what he was doing and he did this thing and the other person didn't know what he was doing. They're both men. You see on there, one was a man, the other was a man. So the impression we get is these are just two equal guys. So we understand the story is not about expertise. And it's not about wealth. Well, one was a really wealthy guy who had a lot of stuff and he put a lot of money into his house and the other one didn't and he just kind of went down and put his double wide down by the river. That's not what it says. You have man A and man B and we get the understanding that there is a similarity when it comes to their skill and their knowledge and their interaction with building a home. But one had wisdom and the other did not. That's the difference. That's the distinction that Jesus is calling us to look at is one had wisdom, the other did not. And then what happened? And so we need to pay attention to what this says about us and we need to see what this says about God. So I think to help us understand wisdom from the Bible's perspective, we need to see how the Bible treats three key words. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And sometimes we can hear those words and we go, oh, those are kind of the same thing, right? They will. I don't think that they really are. And I think the Bible shows us they're a little different. And I think they show, it shows us that this is how God has created humans to learn. There's a process of learning. So I'm going to go through each of these terms here this morning. So the first one is knowledge. And knowledge is essentially the facts. Knowledge is the facts. It's getting the facts couple examples from scripture. The first one in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 15 says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. There's that word knowledge. Knowledge is the facts. If knowledge is the facts, then this verse tells us we can acquire the facts. We can get a grasp on the facts. I think that's one of the scariest trends in our culture today. I said, people say, I can invent my own facts. Well, that doesn't make them facts. The facts are the facts of the facts. The universe is built upon facts. Acquiring facts is to have knowledge. Another verse, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge, the knowledge of truth. Again, truth is fact. And this verse tells us that truth can be known. It can be known. In this case, salvation also is a factual, knowable thing. So another way, if you're trying to think about, okay, the facts and what is it, something that helps me think about knowledge is, knowledge is kind of like the vocabulary. 
understanding the vocabulary, I understand all the words, I understand all the terms, or it's the building blocks. I've got the blocks that something can be built out of. I have those blocks. That's what knowledge is. So let's go into that next term, understanding. Understanding is the ability to translate meaning from facts. The ability to translate meaning from facts. So you get all the facts and now you've got to have, get meaning out of it. So understanding it is that ability to do that. A verse in Psalm chapter 119 verse 130 says, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. It imparts understanding. It tells us the Bible is going, yes, there's, you have this ability to translate meaning from facts. And the Bible gives us that ability. The Bible is an instruction book. It's an instruction book. It gives us direction. And who is the author? God. God is the author of this instruction book. And the intended audience, according to this verse, is everybody, even the simple. Even if you're like, man, I'm not a real complex person. I'm just really simple. Everything is this. Look, you too. You too can have understanding. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on what? Your own understanding. Your own understanding. It's a warning to us. It's good to be able to translate meaning from the facts, but if we're just doing that within ourselves, we're not going to be really well served. We're just kind of making stuff up as we go. Another verse, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. He takes no pleasure in understanding. I was trying to think of an example, and the classic example that comes to my mind, and some of you maybe who have grown children could relate to this, but your kid kind of goes on and they move out of the house. Maybe they go to college, or maybe they go to some place where they get some learning, and they come back, and they're just spouting all this stuff as if they understand how the world works, right? I probably did that when I went to college and came home the first time. And it was like, well, you aren't even able to translate meaning. You're just spouting off those facts. You're just a fool. You're not taking pleasure in understanding. And we can be that way. And so understanding is really being able to translate meaning from facts. And when we can translate meaning from facts, it keeps us from foolishness. And from looking like a fool. So understanding, another way to think about understanding is it's really about making connections. It's taking those things and I'm I'm starting to connect. It's no longer just the vocabulary. It's no longer the building blocks. But I'm starting to put those things together. It's almost kind of like a dot to dot. You go, oh, okay, I'm going to start drawing lines between the dots. That's understanding. And then finally, wisdom, which of course is what we're going to be talking mostly about today. And wisdom is essentially knowing what to do next, given an understanding of the facts. Knowing what to do next. Clearly in the Bible, there's lots of verses that give us a lot of information about Wisdom. Here's one, Ecclesiastes 8, 1. It says, Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I love that. The hardness of his face is changed. Think about it in your own life. When you know what to do next, what happens? Your countenance changes. You go from worried to excited. Because you go, I know what to do. I know what to do. You can think about that as you're aging. If you spend a lot of time worrying, you end up with what? Worry lines. But if you spend a lot of time knowing what to do, you end up with what? Smile lines. Right? I'm hoping for smile lines in my life. Right? 
Another verse from James chapter 3 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. When we know what to do next, it creates a space in our life for these things. It creates space for goodness, for gentleness, for mercy, for impartiality, for sincerity, and so on. When we know what to do next, it creates space for good things. So we can think about wisdom, we can think about it as problem solving, but I even like the term solution design, probably because I'm an architect and I like the idea of design, but it is where you go, here is a problem and I've got to design a solution for it. And I know the facts, I have the facts connected and I'm able to walk down that road. So let me give you a couple examples here, practical examples, because I think this idea of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom applies to basically anything we can learn. If you spend a little bit of time and think about anything you could learn, whether it's your career or a hobby or anything else, I think this is probably how you learn. So my first example is something I'm terrible at, which is baking. Basically, like if cookies or something needs to get made in my house, I let other people do it. As I just, I, I can't quite get the difference between teaspoon and tablespoon. Right? And so you think about this process and you go, okay, to become a good baker... A really good, like a, a world-class baker, where do you have to start? Well, you have to start with the thing that I don't know, which is the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon, a difference between a third cup and a half cup, and you have to understand, what are these things? What is flour? And you know, right? What is flour? What is sugar? What is arrowroot powder? I don't know. There's all kinds of things where I go, I've heard of these things. I don't know what they are. I haven't learned the vocabulary, but if I wanted to become a good baker, I would go and I would learn the vocabulary. Well, then I got to go, okay, so now I've got to understand, I got to have some understanding about this. I got to start translating those facts into something. And so someone says, okay, you want to do that? Here, here's a recipe. And I go, okay, well, I understand the vocabulary so that when I read this, it's not Greek to me. And I go, all right, I can put these things together. And I start to follow the instructions and I put together some really nice cookies or a cake or whatever. And you go on, but at some point you go, all right, I am now equipped and I've done enough baking. I've done enough goodie making. I want to figure something out on my own. I want to invent something. The problem in front of me is I have to make a really cool cake. But I don't know how to do that. Well, I'm going to start working on it. And I'm going to use what I know about how all of these things go together and their measurements and their ratios and their proportions. And I'm going to put it together. And now you're a wise baker. Right? So that's one example. Another example, something that maybe I do have a little bit more skill at, would be woodworking. I took some courses on this. I've made my own furniture. I get it. But it's the same process. It's the same idea. There's facts. There's a vocabulary. You need to understand what a table saw is. You need to understand that a table saw will chop your hand off if you don't use it the right way. Right? And so on and so forth. You have to understand wood. You have to understand how wood is cut, how wood is grained, how it folds. In this case, like this picture, how it bends and folds. In other places, how it cuts and seems together. You have to learn the ways that wood joins together. And then when you understand that, you go, all right, I'm, I'm certified in wood shop safety. I'm not going to, you know, hurt myself or somebody else. I understand how these things work. Someone can say, okay, here, here's some instructions. And I don't know if you ever took junior high wood shop. Does anybody take that anymore? I did. Yeah. Other people maybe have. I don't think they offer that anymore. It's probably not safe. <laughs> they go, okay, here you go. Make a lazy Susan. Right? And they give you some instructions and you got to you make this very simple thing, but you're following instructions. And then at some point, you're like, all right, 
And like this guy who made this thing, he made it out of his mind. He said, I understand how this stuff works and I'm going to put this all together. And when you have that chance, and I had that chance when I was in college to do this kind of thing, and I made a piece of furniture out of my mind, and it was like, wow, I am a wise woodworker. And so you can think about anything you do, anything you learn, and this is the, pro- the progression you follow, and this is something that God has made in us, and so that's what takes us to wisdom. So to help with this, I've got a chart just to help us understand this a little bit better. Um, the chart has got uh, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and so we'll just use some terms here. So again, knowledge is the facts, understanding is the meaning, and wisdom is what to do next. Another way of thinking about this is knowledge is information, understanding is principles, and wisdom is the application of those principles. You can also think about knowledge is memory. If you're getting memories into your mind, understanding is reason, reasoning, and wisdom is being able to take action on that. If you think about this in terms of people, sometimes we can think about scholars as full of knowledge, understanding. Those who have understanding would be the teachers, and those who have wisdom are those who are practicing it, the practitioners, those things. Um, A quote that has helped me think about this is from good old Charles Spurgeon here. He said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is to not be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And so now in a perfect world, we'd look at knowledge and understanding and wisdom, and we'd go, okay, I'm just going to grow in each of those areas. I'm going to have a need. Okay, I've got a need. I've got to hear something else. So I'm going to go, and I'm going to gather the information. I'm going to put it all together, and I'll get the wisdom, and I'll make all the right decisions, and everything is just going to go great for me in my life. And is that how we see the world working? No, we don't see it working that way. It doesn't work for me in my life, right? There's two reasons it doesn't work. We say, I don't know what to do. Why don't we know what to do? Why can't we know what to do? There's two reasons. The first is sin. The human condition is broken. We've talked about this over and over. We're sinful and broken and the world is broken and we are broken. And so our ability to learn... Our ability to understand is broken. All of that stuff, our knowledge, our understanding, our wisdom is affected by our own sins. We can't be fully wise because our minds are clouded. They're clouded by bias and preference and weakness and blindness. The second thing that keeps us from it is limits. We're limited. We're finite. We are limited by time. We are limited by space. We are limited by our capacities. We are limited by the era that we live in, and so on and so forth. And although the human capacity is large, I've been watching Jeopardy on Netflix. It's a lot of fun. Those are some really smart people who know a lot of stuff. They have a lot of knowledge. And there's a lot of capacity, and yet... I still love, I've watched that show, and I'll get answers, and all three of them are sitting there like, I don't know that answer, right? Our capacity is large, but we don't have a limitless capacity. We can't know everything about everything. And the Bible confirms that for us. We're going to go through a couple examples of how the Bible confirms that for us. First, Philippians 3.3, Paul says, We worship the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. 
We put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is confirming that because we have a sinful and limited nature, we should have no confidence in ourselves at all. Second example in James 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. If any of you lacks wisdom, James says, if any of you, and the context of this is in the face of trials. In the face of trials, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Well, guess what? If you're in the face of a trial, you lack wisdom. It's automatic. It wouldn't be a trial if you had the wisdom. You'd know what to do. So if you lack wisdom, you ask God. We recognize that our human condition makes us lacking. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, God says, God himself states this fact, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People are weak, people are sinful, people are finite, people lack even the basics. Even the basics of knowledge. So what do we do? We have a need. We have a lack. How do we fill in the gaps? How do we fill in the big gaps? Particularly when it comes to wisdom. How can we know what to do next? I don't know what to do. What's the answer? The answer to any good church question God. (laughs) What did we learn about God two weeks ago? We learned that He is unlimited, that He has an infinite capacity. And so it would follow if God is unlimited and God has an infinite capacity, then what is His wisdom? Infinite. There's no wisdom outside of God. I love this verse, Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given to him a gift to him that he might be repaid? And then this part. For from him and through him and to him are all things. We went over this when we went on our Romans series last year, and Paul knew because God is infinite, he could say, yep, from him and through him and to him are all things. Would wisdom be included in all things? Yes, it would be. Nothing is excluded, so God's wisdom is infinite. There is no wisdom that is outside of God. And so if you take nothing else away from today, take this away. Because God is infinitely wise. He knows exactly what to do in every single situation. So when you're sitting in a situation in your life today or tomorrow or this week, and you say, I don't know what to do, guess who knows what to do? God. He knows what to do. And so on one hand, this should be very comforting. Because when you say, I don't know what to do, you can be confident that God can, God is saying, I know what to do. I know what to do. But on the other hand, there's a challenge. And that challenge is that, again, I'm sinful and I'm imperfect and I'm finite. And it keeps me from just obtaining God's wisdom. I can't just get it by osmosis. There's these things in the way. So what do we do? So today we're going to go through a few practicals of how we can draw on God's infinite wisdom. The first one, we'll look at James. Again, James chapter 1, verse 5. We had this verse up a minute ago. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. Who does he give generously to? All. All. What does all mean? All. All. What's the Greek word for all? All. All. Are you excluded from all? 
No, none of us are. We're all part of all. I think that makes sense. (laughs) If you hang around me and you see this verse, you go, wow, Greg prays that all the time. I do. When we pray together, I go, God, you say ask for wisdom. We don't know what to do. Help us. Help us. Because I don't know what to do, and God does. And I'm acknowledging that he knows what to do. So really, in some ways, this is just first and foremost our own acknowledgement of saying, I don't know what to do. It's a place of humility. So our first practical is ask God. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. The second thing, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, The first thing I want you to do is pray. And I love in this translation, he says, Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. You guys know it's probably an overused joke at this point, but when someone says, What's pray? And I say, Has it come to that? <laughs> It should be the first thing. The first thing I want you to do is pray. And this is always convicting to me because I go, man, I didn't start with that, did I? But I should pray. The guy who did that uh, message uh, version, Eugene Peterson, he says this. He said, we begin with prayer in order that all our actions may may be directed rightly. Pray, and then let the prayer spread out, reaching all people, even leaders, even those we don't like, even the people who are against us. A changed world begins with us, and a changed us begins when we pray. So that's our second practical today, is to pray. Ask God to intervene. Ask God to help. Ask God to reach into circumstances. It says, pray every way you know how. Pray every way you know how. That's why in our gospel groups we make such an emphasis on praying together. Psalm 33, verse 11. It says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. So what is this talking about? The Lord's counsel? What is the Lord's counsel? Well, again, it's God's instructions. It's God's instruction manual. And what is God's instruction manual for us? It's the Bible. I mentioned that a minute ago. God has given us the Bible to show us what to do. He's given it to us to show us how to live. And you know what's so cool about the world we live in? You can have it right here in your pocket. You don't have to go to a library. You don't have to go sit in a church. You don't have to carry around a book and look awkward. You can have it on your phone and you can sit there at your desk or you can sit there at home or you can sit there in bed and look like you're checking Facebook and you can be reading God's instruction manual for your life. That's pretty cool, huh? And so I'd ask you this. Because it contains his wisdom, are you reading it daily? Are you reading it? Because if you're saying, I don't know what to do, and you're not reading God's word, God's instruction manual, where do you think you ought to go? God's instruction manual. So that's our third practical, is read the Bible. You want God's wisdom because you don't know what to do? Read the Bible. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. One of the greatest weapons against our finite limits, against our sin, is unity. 
as being together in a group. And we talk about this a lot. Because when it comes to me saying, I don't know what to do, what I don't know, guess what? Some of you might know. And what I haven't experienced, guess what? Some of you might have experienced. And far be it for me to not ask you if you have, or what your thoughts might be on this. And I think this is probably one of the greatest struggles for us as independent Americans. Because independence is really important to us as a value. And yet this verse tells us, ah, at some point your plans are going to fail. If you're just independent, if you're not seeking counsel. I think we, we just feel like, oh, I ought to know how to do this on my own. I feel that way. But guess what that is? It's pride. It's sin. God's given us others to help us. And so you say, well, who should I ask? It says, without counsel, who should I ask for counsel? Well, there's a lot of good options. You've got family. You've got friends. There's experts on certain things. I, I'm, I'm working towards some, some little uh, HVAC renovations on my house, and I don't really know it all, and so I'm looking at all those expertise sources on the Internet. Yeah, that's great. Seek that counsel. But when you're dealing with life issues and you're dealing with spiritual issues, you've got a couple resources here. Brad and I are here for you, not because we're, oh man, we're expert, but guess what? God has put us in this position to help you. And I'm here full time. You guys are paying me full time to help you. So many times I so appreciate your hearts. You'll come to me and you'll say, hey, I know you're really busy, but could maybe we talk? I go, really busy? I'm here for you. You want to talk? I'm here to talk. I'm here to counsel you. And maybe I've got the idea. Or maybe I just need to sit with you and pray and ask God for wisdom. That's what I'm here for. That's what Brad is here for. I'm not too busy. He's not too busy. Your gospel group leaders are not too busy for it. You guys better not be too busy. <laughs> You're not too busy. So that's our fourth thing. Ask others for counsel. Ask others for counsel. I know it's hard. That's what God asks us to do. Proverbs 22 verse 3 tells us that the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. This is one of my favorite verses. This is one of my favorite verses. And I, I heard this verse when I was about 22 for the first time and it clued me in. It clued me in to a really important thing, a really great truth. And that is, I have to keep my eyes open. I have to keep my eyes open. I have to keep my eyes up. I can't be an engineer. No offense to the engineers. You guys ever heard that joke? How can you tell a, an extroverted engineer they're staring at your shoes? <laughs> Love to make fun of engineers. I can't be doing that. I can't even just be staring at your shoes. I've got to keep my eyes up. I've got to be looking down the road and seeing the danger that's coming at me. It first tells us the simple just keep going and stare at their shoes or staring off in space. Keep your eyes up. If we're not looking around us, if we're not looking into the future, then suffering is coming for us. So our fifth practical there is keep your eyes open. You want to be wise? Keep your eyes open. And so today, let's go ahead and close with this verse. Proverbs 10.9 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord, and what does that mean? And that can be, I know, tough to unpack, but I like the, the amplified translation of this same verse. It says, The reverent fear of the Lord. And then it tells us what that is. That is, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome. 
is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. <laughs> its starting point and its essence. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. So let me ask you this. Do you fear the Lord? Do you worship Him and regard Him as truly awesome? Because if you do, you've taken the first step to getting His wisdom. And if you don't, then you should, if you want to be wise. I think that's what this verse is telling us. And this is not just a lip service thing. This is not a, well, yeah, I worship God because I show up to church periodically. Do you worship God with your life, with your actions, with your thoughts? That is the cornerstone of gaining wisdom. True worship of an awesome God is the cornerstone of gaining wisdom. So as a church, let's make that our goal. Before we do anything else, let's start with a true worship of an awesome God. Amen? Let's do that. So, now you got this week's homework. This week's homework is to ask God for wisdom. Because I guarantee you, probably every single one of us here, I know I do, says, there's something going on in my life where I go, I don't know what to do. God does. Let's ask Him for wisdom. And then let's take some of those steps. Let's pray. Let's read the Bible. Let's ask others for counsel. Let's keep our eyes open. Let's take some of those steps this week and go after God's wisdom. I'll close by praying. Yeah, God, we acknowledge before anything that we are sinful and we are weak and we are finite and we don't know what to do on so many things in our life. Every single one of us here could probably lay out a list of two, three, four, ten trials, challenges in our life where we go, I don't know what to do. And God, that's a good place for us to be because then we can look at that and contrast it with who you are and how you are wise and how you do know what to do. You have all wisdom. There's no wisdom outside of you. So God, we want to go after your wisdom. We ask, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Help us to know what to do. And God, we look at some of those practicals and we know it's not necessarily just a, a magical thing that's going to appear to us when we ask you, Lord. We know that you've given us opportunities to pray, to interact with others, to read the Bible. To keep our eyes open. I would help us to do that this week and in coming weeks and as we walk through life on this journey together. Help us as a family to keep that true worship of you as our first step. Our first step for gaining wisdom. We praise you and we thank you that you are wise. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.